0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I'm Edward, and I hope everyone is having a fantastic week. And if you live in the United States, that you are adjusting to the the new time, having fallen back an hour when this is released. Everyone's clocks will have fallen back an hour, and at least for me, this period of the year is always kind of the... I don't know, it's not... It's not a bummer time because ski season is literally just around the corner. Uh, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And the holiday season, uh, that can kind of be a bummer, so we won't go there, but that's just around the corner. But what what it stinks for me is it seems like I never get a chance to see the daylight. I'm up before the dawn, and by the time I'm done with work and home from work, it is back to being dark. So I am kind of looking forward to when the days start to get longer and even if it's cold out then the occasional ability to be out in the sun is a wonderful thing after work. So I guess if I had to complain about anything this week, that would that would be my complaint, which in the whole scheme of the whole scheme of everything that's going on Good, bad, otherwise in the world is 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 really nothing. So this week on the podcast, I thought we would take a little bit of a literary detour. Or maybe we can say a literal detour. Last week we talked about, you know, consent non consent play. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about the lifestyle in literature. And this is not designed to be VDSM um, Literature 101. Uh, hopefully it won't be a boring college-esque class type setting, and it's also not going to be a complete history, uh, nor is it going to really go in depth. It's just going to be kind of something that I'm throwing out there because so many people come to this lifestyle from books, or they something plants the seed of the lifestyle in them. They are reading a book Uh, often a romance novel and there's some kinktastic scenes in there which get some thinking more about the lifestyle and they come to the rabbit hole so with that in mind we're going to just take a quick trip over into the world of of bdsm literature and of course it starts way back um and so we have to go back to the way back machine um if anybody remembers uh Mr. Peabody and I think it was Stuart from the Bowinkle show. Um he had a way back machine. So it starts with and I am probably going to mispronounce his name because let's just say my French is not very good. French is not even close to my first language, which is English, and I really don't have a second language. Unless you count profanity, which I am told that since I'm a hockey player, I'm a fluent I am fluent in the language of profanity. Um, That comes from Gordie Howe, not from me. Um, But anyways, going back to this author, if you wish to call him an author, some people call him an author, other people call him a politician. Um, Some will say he's an aristocrat. Um, But no matter what you put as a label on for him, He is the person who gives us the word sadist. So this goes back to the Marquis du Sade, or du Sade. If you speak French, let me know exactly on the pronunciation of that. Um, But he is the person where we get sadist from. Um, He was a French aristocrat born in 1740. So that is long before the United States even becomes the United States. Uh, they are still colonists who haven't even considered tossing tea into Boston Harbor. Um, but he is really infamous. Not, not just famous, but he's infamous um, for his explicit uh, writings. Um, he's probably best known for um, what is called the Libertine novels, uh, Justine and Juliet. Um, these novels are especially for the um, and, and even still, I mean, if you have a um, Moms for Liberty chapter in your neck of the woods in the United States, these books would set them, like, they would blow their minds and set them off into a book-burning rage. Um, they, are, they are that explicit still, um, and these came from, you know, the 1700s, and so, of course, if you wrote, Smut like that back then, with explicit sexual contact content, scenes of violence, and of course, sadistic themes. I mean, he is the person we get sadists from, so you can imagine that that landed him in jail. Um, he actually spent time in the actual Bastille um, because of the things he wrote, the things he said, uh, and even though his works were banned. Um, as what happens when you ban something, it actually doesn't go away. Um, it's there. So they're still around today. They're still influencing people. They are still making an impact in the lifestyle. But let's say you're curious and you want to go back and you want to read his words. I, I do just want to warn you um, that, you know, he is a product of the 1700s. So his view of women is what would be very misogynistic um, by today's standards um, and of course with sexual and violent themes that run through it it is something that um, that you need to be aware of going into and while his books are kind of important and I mean he does give us where status you know comes from uh you do need to go into it and understanding the time that he's from and that um, what he writes is going to be explicit it's going to be violent and it's not pretty for women so he was kind of one of the first ones on the scene and now we move on to a gentleman from Austria now this Austrian um, comes a little bit later about a hundred years later Um, he's born in 1836 and he was a author. Uh, he was a journalist, um, and he loved to explore themes related to sex, power dynamics, and psychology. Um, so, yeah, he is a bit more modern, if you will, in his writings. And this author is Leopold von Sacher. Um, boy, it's, it's Leopold von Sacher. Massage, masspo. Yeah, why? And I took German seriously. German was, I have a BA because I did German in college. So, yes. Apologies to everyone I offended with the, the um, von Sacher, massage. Uh, anyways, it's it's M A, S H, or S O C H. So, anyways. He wrote a book you may have heard of. It's called Venus in Furs. Now it was published in 1870, which is the height of the of the Victorian era, when goodness gracious, um, crudeness would be an understatement for what I mean. This is like the era of Jane Austen. Um, So writing about sex and sexuality. Um, in the Victorian era, woe was really out there. Um, and on top of it, Venus in Furs is not about a man dominating a woman. It's actually about a man um, that wants to serve um, a woman, and he is willing to suffer to serve her. In other words, you know, suffer to serve Uh, Healy's willing to be humiliated for her pleasure. Um, So we see the BDSM dynamics at the core. And yes, I know BDSM does not require humiliation or uh, suffering to serve. But those are themes of Venus and Furs. And it's really, I mean, it's, it's it's a novel. It's a good novel that also just happens to... Have BDSM themes through it, and it's actually stayed relevant today because of those themes. Other authors borrowed from them and added to them. It's what authors do: they take a little from here, go over there, take a little from here, and borrow. So you'll see those themes um, in um, in Anus Nin's um, book, um, her her Henry in June. Um, while it delves into eroticism and relationships, you can find some of the Venus and Furs themes there. Um, another one, um, another author that borrowed from it, you can find the Venus and Furs themes in the story of O from Pauline Regehr. Um, And if you haven't read story of O, it's one of the first uh, sub novels that I read. And it was so interesting as a read for me being a young college person college-age person, um, because at the same time, there were times when it would both shock me, it would make me feel like, oh, that's gross, but at the same time, it was also very erotic altogether, and the, those mishmash of feelings, it's it's a very weird state to be in where you're like, oh, that's, that's offensive, that's gross, and yet I'm turned on. So that all kind of flows back to Venus and Furs. And of course, once cinema came, once movies came, there is Venus and Furs, the movie. Uh, in fact, there might be more up-to-date versions, uh, but the first one came out in 1969. And if Google is telling me correctly, and that's a big if, because it is a movie from 1969, it is pretty much available um, across streaming services or those streaming services that provide them for free. So if you're curious to see it, you can head on over um, and find it really online wherever you want to find it. I am pretty sure if you are a Netflix subscriber, uh, it is there. And I also believe it's on Amazon. And I believe there is a free movie site. Is it, is it Pix? I might be on Pix. That's where it's free. So. You can check out Venus and Furs wherever you stream your movies, pretty much. Um, The next movie that's actually influenced by Venus and Furs is one of my favorite films, uh, The Secretary. And uh, so you can find, and once again, these are just themes. It's not saying that, I'm not suggesting um, that the folks who wrote and directed and did The Secretary stole from Venus and Furs, but the themes are there. And then another movie that it's in, um, I just have to mention because I like to say this word. uh, It's the Duke of Burgundy. I love to say Burgundy. I mean, it's just, it's a word we don't, I don't know. We don't say much in the, you know, the 2020s that we're in. We We don't call a red, oh, that's Burgundy. I mean, it's just, I don't know. But as a kid, I can remember... When you know, Cadillac would have a color and burgundy would be in it, and of course, you know, there's Will Farrell who played Ron Burgundy. Um, but I don't know, Burgundy is just a fun, fun name to say. So, those themes, same themes, are there in the Duke of Burgundy, which is a 2014 genre. Um, so there's all of that that kind of leads us into where we are today, where we have modern authors that uh, explore BDSM themes in their novels, and and they do so much more, much more realistically um, than others. Um, so I'm just going to kind of throw out some names. Um, there's Tiffany Rice. Uh, she is the author of the original Sinner series. I don't know, Sinner series was a bit of a tongue twister to get out but her her novels are a mixture of romance erotica and and they do have some some like characters have depth so that it's they're interesting reads um then there's sierra simone um whose whose books um especially the new camelot series uh combine sex and bdsm elements and they kind of explore the complexities of relationships along with the complexities of power dynamics. One of the names that is at least most popular for me that I see fairly often here and there is uh, Charisse Sinclair um, and her Masters of the Shadowlands series really goes into the BDSM lifestyle and the emotions uh, that, that come with it. Uh, there is, uh, uh, Joey, Joey Hill has the Nature of Desire series. Um, and these, this series is really renowned for not only the BDSM element, but how they, there's deep emotional connections between characters. And the, her novels are really typically complex and feature characters that are are well developed, rather than some of the other other romance style books where. It's more about the actions than the, than the, than the characters. And of course, we, we can't forget Anne Rice, because before she was Anne Rice, she was writing the Sleeping Beauty trilogy, uh, which if you haven't read, they're fantastic. So yeah, you definitely want to pick those up. Now, since we we're talking about authors and current authors and what they're known for and what they've done, you've noticed I've left out an author that you probably were expecting to hear. But we can't because E.L. James, for better or worse, the Fifty Shades series, the books that turned into the movies, that have turned into really bringing so many new fresh faces to BDSM or making it much more socially acceptable to say, hey, I'm into BDSM, we, we have to talk about the Shades series. So, do we want to start with the good or the bad of the Shade series? Let's let's start with the good, and then we'll we'll go into some of the the little bit of critiques I have uh, with the Fifty Shades series. And I'm not nearly as harsh. I'm not nearly as upset as some people are in the lifestyle. There are some people that get, I mean, over the moon crazy when you bring up Fifty Shades. And yes, there are inaccuracies. But the most important thing that I believe uh, 50 Shades has done for the lifestyle is that it brought BDSM to a mainstream audience. It is no longer, yes, there are people out there who look down their noses or don't agree with or get all bent out of shape um, because of the BDSM lifestyle, but 50 Shades really took it so that it was acceptable if you will um, while bdsm might not be for everyone the 50 shades series made it okay for you to say that you were kinky so that was really one of the best things that, that 50 shades has brought us um plus i mean like i said it brought so many more people to the lifestyle because yet, since it made bdsm acceptable uh, the thought of being kinky acceptable it allowed people to explore desires and they continue to explore their desires. I mean, it doesn't seem like there is a weekend that goes by that you can't find one of the Fifty Shades movies or all of them streaming back to back to back on some TV network somewhere. So it's continuously opening up minds and allowing people to explore the lifestyle. And I am also not going to hold it against Fifty Shades series for being successful. It's not success and making money um, it should be applauded. And the fact that it's a commercial success and it's opened up so many conversations about, uh, you know, being yourself sexually and exploring is, is fantastic. And on top of that, the whole Fifty Shades books and the movies have, have inspired other people to write about BDSM, um, to share their thoughts, both fictional and reality, about BDSM. So it's those things are fantastic. Now, there are some bad things about Fifty Shades. First of all, It is not an accurate representation of BDSM and the people who get all worked up about the Shade series. This is like the number one go-to thing. But it's not how it really works. Yes, I know that. And so should you. Anybody who sees the movie, reads the book, should know it's not accurate because it's a work of fiction, meaning it's all in the author's mind. Uh, Yes, some of the dynamics that are written about or, or the movies were made about, um are inaccurate and kind of sadly romanticize unhealthy power dynamics so that's that is definitely problematic uh, another thing is it's it's really doesn't have a dose of realism but movies and books also need to be escapes if they weren't escapes i mean are you gonna go on to watch a movie that's a bummer yes sometimes great movies end with sad endings. I get it. But if you're going to want to be entertained for 90 minutes or more, um, you need to maybe sometimes ditch a little realism. So you should understand with fiction, we're not dealing with the real world. Therefore, it probably won't be that realistic. Um, also, there is a what I think is also a valid criticism of the author is at times it doesn't feel like they really did their homework on BDSM practices and things. It's it's almost like the phenomenon that I call the instadom, where they head on over to their favorite porn site of choice, type in BDSM, watch some pornage films, and decide that they are a dominant, and their whole knowledge is based off of porn films. And it's obviously not how it works. Um, so it's almost like and the author didn't kind of do their homework on the lifestyle. So some things are sort of like, oh, yeah, you probably saw that over on some porn site and wrote about it. And now people are thinking that's how it jams and it isn't. So there's those are the, the good and the bad of Fifty Shades. So the next thing I want to talk about is, do you feel there's a difference between erotica and literature? I mean, is is there a difference to you, or can literature be also be erotica, or can erotica be literature? And not to play, oh, English professor, um, here, but I think there is a difference between erotica and literature. Uh, for me, literature can contain erotica, but erotica is um, focused more so on the. Mm, the ex- explicit the the point of erotica is to either force somebody to be so mentally turned on that they physically have to get off, or to mentally turn on a person or mentally get them off, if you will. To me, that's the purpose of erotica. Erotica is the the depiction of of sexual acts that is designed to get our minds going and then hopefully. Uh, we have a physical outlet for that, um, but to me, erotica is more explicit. Where literature is more more about telling telling a story. Now, in that story, can there be erotic times where it is explicit and you get your mind going, and where you have to get your body off? Absolutely, but it's more about the story, and the erotic just plays. role in it, literature-wise. So that, to me, is the difference between literature and erotica. I would love to know what you you think. Um, Now, there are a lot of people who write erotica. I have written a few pieces. I like one of what I've written. The rest I'm not so happy with. But if you ever want to read the one that I've written... I will share the one that I like. I won't share the other couple where I am not. Well, I might share. Yeah, I take that back. I'll share two. I'll, I'll share the one piece that I love. And then the, um, the one time uh, a friend of mine challenged me to write an erotic fairy tale, which I found hugely fun to do. So those are the two pieces that I would share about it. I have not ever written literature so I don't want anyone to think that I am a literature writer. Uh, I've written some pieces that are um, historically based, I'm written about history, which would bore most of you to death, Um, so I don't consider those literature. Those are just articles on history, and then I, of course, write for my blog, and then those couple of pieces of erotica that I've written. Um, But there is artistic merit in erotica um Erotica also serves, um, especially driven by people in the community. Um, it helps to potentially bring new people in. You know, if they they want to just have a quick erotic story. Uh, they perhaps have read or seen the Fifty Shades. Um, is it Lit- Erotica? Is that the website? There's there's websites galore where you can find um, lifestyle themed. Um, writings um, just by average people, and that is fantastic because it it allows for it allows for people to connect, and it allows for people to have expressions. Uh, the main thing to remember when we are reading erotica is that it is fiction, and oftentimes we don't. We don't portray the lifestyle as we should. There are, you know, so many wonderful things that, the fictional, you know, the literary works that feature BDSM to erotica that's out there that feature BDSM is the more and more of this that's out there, the more misconceptions about the lifestyle that that we we debunk. Uh, We are empowering people to, to come to the lifestyle, to explore the lifestyle. And it's really normalizing the world of kink. It is no longer uh, as taboo, nearly as taboo, um, to admit that you are kinky or that even like to admit that you're poly. It is becoming much more acceptable. Obviously, it is not something that uh, that we want to share everywhere. The world isn't quite ready for that yet. Um, but all of this wonderful lifestyle-related literature, which has turned into movies and and draws people in, is really helping empower our self-discovery. And it's also helping to educate people in the lifestyle that it isn't nearly as, as, I don't know, as taboo or perverted, um, that, you know, gosh darn it, there are amazing people here. And finally, I just want to add a few things, um, Just a few thoughts if you decide um, to write Erotica. And if you have a story in your mind, go ahead and write it down. You don't have to be you don't have to be a famous author. You don't have to share it with anyone. Um, but if you have a fantasy in your mind, run with it. Write it out. Um, maybe even if you don't think it's that good. Perhaps you have a friend that is decent with words, and they can they can help you polish it up. Um, but it's one of those things where it's amazing because once as you write it, your mind can get going, um, and it takes on a whole new level, and it really it really lets you explore, um, even if you don't want to share what the end result is. It really takes your mind on a journey when you write erotica. It, it has for me. Um, like I said, I am not willing to share all that I've written because honestly, I'm. some of it is just I look back on it and, and I'm not a writer who throws things away. I have drafts of all the things that I've written and never shared. So there are things that I don't feel are very good, but they do. they do get your mind going. Um, So just a few tips um, that are out there. And I please, please hope I don't sound like a college professor here. Um, But take some time. Um, Even if you're writing erotica, um, take your time. Kind of put things on a slow burn. Um, Build up tension. Build up desire. Um, Don't go from the start of the page to the orgasmic conclusion immediately take your time and get there let your mind stew on it and as your mind's stewing on it write down jot down those thoughts as you're as you're stewing on it um, perhaps have a conflict and resolution that needs to happen in in your story um, that's kind of a common way to to navigate from the beginning to to the end so that's a potential idea another thing to keep in mind is if you're exploring BDSM or you're going to write about it, do a little research. And what I mean by that is maybe step out of your comfort zone in your story. Um, If there's something you're just curious about, do a little research and see if it fits. It's a great way to mentally role play or to mentally, yeah, role play to come up against maybe a soft or a hard limit that you're questioning. When you mentally role play and write it out, um, it can change your perspective. And when you do a little bit of research, obviously you're going to be researching practices, etiquette and and most importantly, safety. Um, so you are educating yourself while you're contemplating um, a fantasy. Another part that if you are going to write about the lifestyle, I would love to see. Uh, keep consent as a theme uh, through your writing because so much of the BDSM, Uh, Erotica that is generated by, I guess we could call them amateur writers like myself. Um, And I I don't really, as I said, write erotica, but I consider myself an amateur at it or an amateur writer, even with my blogging. Um, Keep consent as a theme. Um, Perhaps even discuss a consent negotiation in your writing, you know, because part of the consent negotiation is part of the workup, part of the building um, to potential. Climactic scene, so that would be my my thoughts. And also, even if you're writing fiction, um, it's okay to keep your your perspective and your thoughts on things that have happened. Um, in one of the pieces that I've written, uh, that that I will 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 share. I'll I'll post i uh, I'll post one on my blog tomorrow. And post the one that I'm most proud of. Um, for example, in that. Uh, everything is fictional except for one of the locations. One of the locations, the location of the bar, uh, is a bar that I have been to before. Um, now, obviously, it's it's a completely vanilla space that I was kink- of, that I kinkified in my story, uh, but you do use a little bit of your personal experience when you write erotica there's a little bit of you that's there even though you're writing fiction and I will caution you with this as well Don't go Ernest Hemingway uh, and what I mean by that is Hemingway uh, I believe it was uh, for whom the bell tolls I could be mistaken maybe it's the Sun also or I can't remember it's one of those two um, he, wrote fictionally about his friends except he didn't change their names so when his friends read what Hemingway wrote he was they were reading about themselves that he then had fictionalized so if you are going to use experiences or things that you've experienced in your life fictionalize them to a point that when your friends read them They don't go, oh, my goodness, that's me. Or in the case of Hemingway, not only is that, that's me. He didn't even change their names. Uh, It wasn't actually until I believe it was either his editor or actually publisher uh, wanted to change the names because they didn't like them, that the names were changed when it actually was published. But the, the draft copies that he gave to his friends had their names, and they made some of them into despicable people. That's a great way to lose friends, by the way. Uh, and that's what happened to uh, to Mr. Hemingway. Um, but yeah, so those are my thoughts on on erotica literature. And I think if you've thought about writing it, you should try it. You don't have to share it with anybody, but it's going to help you better understand yourself, your desires. And it very well may cause you to develop new fantasies based on the one fantasy you've written. and and it's a, a great way to possibly even um, share a fantasy. Sometimes it can be hard to talk about something we fantasize about. So if you've written a piece of erotica on it, it's a great way to potentially share that with a partner. Hey, I wrote, you know I wrote this little bit of erotica. What do you think? And that way you can see whether your partner would be into that without actually having to say, hey, I want to do this. What do you you know, if if you're kind of shy and you don't want to say, hey, I want to do this, what do you think? You can add a little piece of erotic and say, what do you think of this? And boy, if they're turned on, it sounds like fun. Winner winner chicken dinner. Anyway, that is what I have for the podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you're a reader. If you're not a reader, um then I'm sorry, you probably didn't get a whole lot of those podcasts, but if you're not a reader, you can still be a writer. So give that a try. And I look forward to hearing what you think about writing. And do you think that if you tried writing erotica, if that would would help you better understand yourself as well as the lifestyle? I would love your feedback on that. So please let me know on that and I look forward to chatting with you next week. And finally, no matter where you listen, don't forget to click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And I look forward to chatting with you again very soon.